Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Welcome to two, well, week two. If you missed week one, um, um, check out the podcast. But welcome to week two of What on Earth Am I Here For? And we're talking about living your calling, uh, 40 days um, of purpose is, is really what it's um, historically known as, but living your calling, living my calling. Um, and this 40 days, uh, I think Bron said it last week, you know, if you live to somewhere in your 70s, you'll live more than 25,000 days. And so we're taking just 40 at the start of the year, sorry, and at the start of a new decade, just to really set the tone for your life and mine and set the tone um, for us as a church uh, in terms of the spiritual uh, direction, the spiritual tone of our lives, and, and, and I'm hoping you'll take these 40 days with us. There's a, a book you can um, purchase or you can download it online called 40 Days of Purpose or What am I on Earth Am I Here For? Um, it's the perfect time for just 40 days, five more weeks to be in a connect group. Again, speak to the team out the front, and then there's the, uh, if you follow, this is the easiest way you can be involved beyond Sunday, and that is join, follow um, the chapel, Tamworth, and once you follow that, every day you'll just get the daily devotion, the daily meditation on your phone. Even I sit there and close my eyes and listen to the content. Um, and it goes for about three minutes and it's just, uh, it's good for the soul. So I encourage you around all that. Let's make this 40 days or 33 days, whatever we've got left, let's make it count in your life and mine as it, is, uh, as it relates to our life and our spirit and all that kind of thing. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 say this. Long ago, even before he made the world, let me just pause there, even before he made the world, um, I don't know about you, I believe in a creator. And I think, it, so that we can put it to bed just for a moment, if, if you're wrestling with it, I'd love you to think about this thought. Doesn't everything suggest to you that there's a designer? I've got this watch. It's a nice watch. Actually, you can buy it online, hudsonbrothers.com. <laughs> it's a nice watch. And, um, but what do you reckon the odds are that if I break it up into pieces and I bang my hands together, that it will come together in perfect part and in perfect time and work just as it was intended to work? Or even not as it was intended to work, because it would need to be an accident to come together to make it work as a watch. And it's just a watch. I think we can just, you know, if you're curious about God, settle on him as a designer here tonight, just while we're with us. Long ago, even before he made the world, even before then, before he, the world had any form, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. Oh, how good is that? Yeah. Um, before he made the world, I don't know how that works, but before God made the world, he had you in mind. Not, not, not generally someone in the vicinity of me or you, but you, me. He had us in mind. And I'm not sure how it works. And he knows all of our faults and he still was good, pretty pumped about that anyway. That seems like such a, a, an inappropriate word to use, that God was pumped. But anyway... Before he made the world, God loved us. God loved us and he chose us. He chose you. He chose me. And then it goes on. He chose us in Christ to be 
holy and without fault in his eyes. And I like that because who knows, we are already, if you've put your trust in Jesus, the Bible says you have already been made holy, even though we don't feel holy sometimes, many times, even though we might not always sound holy. He's made us holy in his eyes. Thank God for that. He's made you holy in his eyes. I I like this bit, without fault. Oh, how I wish I could make myself without fault in the eyes of my wife. Wouldn't that be a good way? Just wake up in the morning and go, Bromwick, today I am without fault. Wouldn't that be good? That'd be a great day. It's my new prayer. Uh, that takes more faith than any other prayer we'll pray here the, tonight. They, um, but the reality is that's how God sees you. That's how God sees me. He's incredible. He's nothing like people portray him, is he? He's just not a whole lot like you read the Bible and go, how do you come up with the mean, angry God who hates everybody? His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into a family. It's not just that we would be like family. It's actually that we are family. And this gave him great pleasure. And that's my favorite line here, the idea that this gave him great pleasure. What gives you great pleasure? Like really, really great pleasure. I love to go with Bron to the powerhouse. Love to grab my drink of choice. Love to find a beautiful seat. Love to order ribs and chunky chips with aioli at the powerhouse. That's as good as it gets in Tamworth. I find great pleasure in that. Well, God's great pleasure is in you. His great pleasure is in you. Uh, we're going to listen to, we got the song loaded, Malachi. So I'd like you to read the words for about two minutes and then maybe close your eyes as you listen to this. We're talking about God's love. Here's, what, here's, what I, here's my prayer tonight as we come to this, is simply this, that whatever you know about God's love in your head, whatever um, you might hear tonight, Uh, about God's love in your head, that something would go on that it would shift into our heart. That our head knowledge would turn into a heart knowing. Because if that can go on in your life and mine, something powerful can take place. So let's, um, let's listen to this song and maybe read the words or close your eyes, whatever it is you want to do. He is jealous for me Love's like a hurricane I am a tree Bending beneath The weight of his wind and mercy When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions Eclipsed by glory And I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for me Oh, how he loves us Oh, oh, how he loves us How he loves us all Like a pearl 
great, um, the great secret of history is actually just how much that God loves us. I really do. It's the great secret of history. It should be the most obvious thing in all of his creation. But it's one of those things, even if you know the words of Scripture, sometimes it's a head thing that hasn't translated to a heart thing. Because if really the thing that we get in our head had fully converted into our heart, we would be undone in the most incredible of ways. And, and I reckon God wants to do that kind of work in your heart, not just in yours, in mine too. Just an incredible work of just how great his love is. And, and uh, you know, if you're filling out the sheet, it, the first purpose of our life, it says there, is to be loved by God. Like, that's bottom line, first thing, above everything. My first calling is to enjoy a relationship with God. First purpose is to be loved by God. My first calling is to enjoy a relationship with God. Uh, for, for me, it, more than Lord to be obeyed, uh, it was always more Lord to be obeyed than Father to be enjoyed. That, that I, I get the idea of Lord and Master, I think. Um, but the idea of Father who loved us, which is how he comes along through Jesus and communicates who he is to us, uh, that's a completely different thing. And, and I really didn't have the slightest idea, even though I knew the Bible in my head, I knew the scriptures and what they said. Um, even then, it was only when Isabella, wherever she is, was just a baby in her little cot, and I would just go in there every morning. In those days, I had a regular job, and I'd go in there every morning, and I'd sneak in, and she'd be asleep, and I'd just watch her. And sometimes I'd wake her up. That was so good. Unless you were Bronwyn Hillary Bunnell. So Bron used to warn me, Darren, don't go in there. I said, Bronwyn, I won't wake her up. It'll be okay. And I would just go in, and I would watch her. I'd look at her. It's her dad. She didn't do anything. She just laid there, a little baby, unable to talk, breathing and sleeping. And I can't explain to you the explosion that would go on in my heart of love for my child. And, and you and I, we're made in the image of God. The way we love even the children, if we have them and love them, the, the way we love them is only, it's, it's like a fraction. It's like the smallest piece of how God loves us. We're made in his image, but broken and love to the best of our ability. But God loves us like a whole nother stratosphere. And I remember one day looking at uh, Rosie, her name is Isabella, I call her Rosie, looking at Rosie one day in that bed and it dawned on me that that's how God felt about me. And I'm like, oh, how can that be? But it is. It is. Exactly how it is and it's how it is for you before ever being on mission before we do anything before we pray or before we do anything before we give you and I are perfectly loved by the God who loves uh, at, at a level and a scale that we and a depth that we cannot even comprehend and all we need to do is exist he's an incredible God it's this great secret of the ages I mean, this is how everything started back in the garden. This is how everything started. It was, it was this relationship with God. That was what it was all about. And, and, and then obviously we broke that. Humanity broke that. And then when Jesus came and died on the cross uh, in ancient, in first century Rome, we know that uh, at, at, simultaneously when Jesus died, that in the, in the temple uh, there was a curtain that would separate 
people from the presence of God. That was, everyone understood you could not go into the temple beyond the curtain because that was where the presence of God was said to dwell, although God's everywhere. He wanted people to understand that there was a barrier between a holy God and a sinful people and only the priest could go in there and once a year and, and the priest would go in there with a, I better be careful how, with a rope around his leg just in case he died struck dead by a holy God so that they could still drag him out and they listened for the bell to know that he was still living. But in the moment that Jesus died on a cross in the Roman Empire back in the first century, in that moment, the Bible says that the moment he died for the sins of the world, the curtain was torn from the top to the bottom to signify to us that, you know, the enmity or the, the, the tension, the, um, the barrier between fallen humanity, between sinful humanity and a holy God had been broken through and now we could enter in. It was always the plan because God loves us. It was how it was in the start. It's how it is. He's come to restore and instigate that restoration of the relationship and he's done everything to do it. I don't, I don't, I don't know what relationships are like for you, but you know, he restored it and instigated it when he did nothing to create it. I don't know the last time you did that. But, you know, a few times with Brian over the years, if I'm really honest with you, Brian has done stuff that's not okay. <laughs> and I've taken it upon myself, even though I've been completely innocent, thank God I got the mic tonight, to restore and instigate the restored relationship. Thank God for me, hey? Thank God for me. But not only did was it where it began, not only is it what Jesus did, but it's where we will all ultimately be. Those who have trusted in Jesus, when Jesus returns, when eternity kicks in. Sorry, I lost my belt today. I'm hoping they all stay together here. And, and uh, eternity is going to kick in. And, and the whole point of eternity is that we would be in his presence forever. I thank God that it's not... I used to hear when I first became a Christian, preachers like me would say, um, oh, we're just going to stand and worship him forever. And I'm thinking, really? I don't want to go to hell, but I don't, that sounds like hell. Like, not, sorry, God knows what I mean. You know, what I, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, you do, right? Great. I'll just stop in case I do, you know. Oh, how he loves me. How he loves me, oh. Romans chapter 1 and verse 7. Dear friends in Rome, God loves you dearly. Can that get past our head to our heart? God loves us dearly. You know, there's one person on the planet can make me cry. It's my passed away mother. And the reason she can make me cry is that I know that she loved me dearly. With every part of her being, to the core of her being, my mother loved me dearly. The Bible says God loves us dearly and he called us to be his very own people. And that relationship is to be a son or, 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 or to be a daughter. Not like one, but actually one. If you're a parent, you understand the power of this. And if you're not a parent, I don't know how you understand the power of it. You can work it out. But um, if you're young and single, you know, if you, if you go, how, how would you want a boy to treat you? It's good to write that down in advance too, girls, just for the record. Write it down in advance so that when they don't treat you like that, that you gone. You want a man who loves Jesus. You want a man who's going to put you, he's going to lay down his life and put you first. And you should settle for nothing less. You get him to open doors for you and shut doors for you and to buy you things and to take you to dinner and whatever he can do, you get him to do it. He should pray with you. He should lead you. He should rally your heart to church and to serving Jesus. If he doesn't do those things, get rid of him now. Boys, you should look for the same kind of girl. 
but don't let her open the door for you. Okay, I'm being old school now. I'm being old school, do whatever you want. My suggestion is that you don't, that you open the door for her, but you know, we live in a different time, it's a different place. You can do what you like. No, you can't. Pastor Mike has spoken, he's the boss. If you've got any issues, take it up with him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says this. What an incredible quality of love the Father has shown us, that we should be named and called and counted the children of God, and so we are. I love that. I'm going to put some photos up on the thing here. Ah, that should come up. Look at that. Oh, my gosh. What a wonderful child. What a wonderful child. Oh, what a wonderful child. <laughs> Love that. And then this one. There you go. Look at that. Isn't that woman in black stunning? She is attractive, right? Moving on, moving on, she said. Okay. But, you know... Um, I, I don't. I just naturally love my children, and even when they get it wrong, I love my children. Katie's got this new rule. So for the longest time, I can hug Katie as many times a day as I want. So I do. I reckon when Katie was in year three, I would hug her like what twenty times a day. She's saying more than. I just grab her and hug her, and uh, we wake up and have a hug. She'd go to bed, we'd have a hug. If I saw her across the day, we'd have a hug. And so this year, she's in year seven this year. She's limited my hugs. I get rationed. <laughs> I get rationed. Yeah, so, and, um, yeah. But the reality is that I'll take as much love from her. She's giving me instructions now. I'll take as much love from her as she'll give me because I'm a dad who loves her. And, you know, when she gets it wrong, and she does, like right now, they, um, I still love her. I love her no less. And, and that's how God is with us. When my kids get it right... I'm championing them, I'm celebrating them. When they get it wrong, I'm trying to help them move forward. That's how God is with us. I, I never want my kids to leave home, ever. I, I just want them to stay. I'm sure that'll change if they get to 30 and they're still at home. But, <laughs> but you know, if they're all there, I'll take one maybe. They, um, but I don't want them to leave home because I'm their dad. I want them in proximity. I definitely want them to live in the same town as me. In fact, that should be a rule. But whatever happens, that's, that's what I want because I'm their dad and I love them and that's what your heavenly father is like and he loves you and it, it, if we can just get it past our head into our heart, that will change everything. So much becomes easier. You know, when I started as a Christian, when I pray, I would set a timer because I'm like, I know I need to pray and so I'd set a timer until the alarm went off and then I'd go, right, my time's done. Who knows? I had no idea that he was a heavenly father. I just understood that he was a Lord of all. And we should understand that he's Lord of all. And that should be a part of our life so it keeps us on track that we serve him as master and king and Lord. But the truth is that God doesn't need a clock. He doesn't even want a clock. He wants this rhythm of relationship that moves across the day. You know, I have this prayer we pray with the kids. It's like, as we go to bed, Lord, watch over us. As we wake, be with us. And, and he is. He's right there. The moment I breathe that breath and open my eyes and end of the day, there he is, ready to go. Now, let's get on with it, son. Let's go for it today. In all of my frailty, in all of my flawed humanity, God is there with me, by my side, going before me, got my back, opening doors, closing doors, favor upon me keeping me safe, making sure Mick Cook doesn't get too close if he's in a bad mood. He's just, God's all over it. He's got this. 
He's an incredible father. He's like no other. I like this. It's from Isaiah 49. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of a womb? Even then, even these may forget, but I won't forget, he says. Indeed, I have inscribed a picture of you on the palm of my hand. Talking about Jerusalem, he says, your city walls are continually before me. God won't and can't forget. A picture of you is etched deep into his mind, etched deep into his heart. It's it's there. It's no effort to him. He doesn't forget us. There's no way of him forgetting who we are. God loves us so much. But he's over the big picture and he's in the small detail. He's got it all covered. The Bible talks about, Brown read it this morning, that his love is everywhere. Uh, That it's wide enough, it's long, it's deep, it's high. Um, amen. Uh, I, I just want to bring you to, just for a few minutes, to something um, different. It, it's the story of the prodigal son. And, and I don't know if you know the story, but I feel like many of us were it or have it or are it. And, 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 and this son asked, Jesus telling a story, and his son asked for his inheritance. And he gives the son the inheritance, and one of his sons stays, and one of his sons goes. And the son, the, basically, the son says he spends it on partying and prostitutes. Now, I don't know about you, I love my son. But if he takes his inheritance and he spends it on parties and prostitutes, I will not be a happy dad. I'll love him, but I won't be happy. The good news is a drought hits the land and the son runs for home. And he comes up with a plan, just like us would, we would. He says, I'll say to my father, I've sinned against God, I've sinned before you, I don't deserve to be called your son, take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his dad. When he was still a long way off, this blows my mind. His father saw him, his heart pounding. He ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. Can you imagine if one of my kids went missing? I would only have to see, even with my bad eyes, I would only have to see... Bella's strawberry blonde hair somewhere in the far, far distance, wherever it was. But at first glimpse of her, I would not be standing back going, mate, you messed it up. You are going to, we're going to have a conversation. I would be pushing through the crowd. I'd be leaving you for dead and I'd be running towards her because my daughter is coming home. And that's what it says here. Heart pounding, tears running down his eyes. The father goes after his son as his son heads for home. The father wasn't, uh, it goes on, it says this, the son started his speech, Father, I've sinned against God, I've sinned before you, I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. He could have said, yes, you're right, but I'm kind, but he doesn't. But the father wasn't listening, the Bible says, he was calling to his servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him, put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, then get a grain-fed heifer, go get him a Jack's Creek steak, you might write, and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead. Now he's alive. Come on. We serve an incredible God. Jesus was telling us that story. He made sure it echoed down through the ages to reach into this room tonight, to the within heart, uh, earshot of you and I, that it might go from our head into our heart, that we might understand just who God is and what God's like, not just generally, not to the person next to us, but to me and to you in particular, that that's who he is and that's how he feels and and, and he's got it covered. So here are the four things. Uh, some of you got them this morning. Um, what, change, what changes happen if I stay aware of God's constant love for me? Number one, 
I feel accepted rather than ashamed. I feel accepted rather than ashamed. Now, for sure, the Bible says in Hebrews that God disciplines those he loves, but it's not his primary aim. That's just to keep us on track. He disciplines those he loves, but God's heart for you and I is acceptance. He's an open-armed God as we look to him like the son did. Number two, I'm bold in bringing my needs to God. I'm bold in bringing my needs to God. I love this verse. If you want to write it down, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. It says this, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Let's approach with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How good he is. Let us approach the throne with grace and with confidence. You know, on Sundays, my children will come up to me. I don't know why they even ask, but you should ask. But... And they'll say, Dad, can I get a drink or whatever from the, you know, the cafe and stuff? I go, yeah, yeah, get it. I'll sort out the bill. And, um, but they're not coming wondering, is this going to happen? They're just coming out of politeness because they're absolutely confident. Yeah, of course, of course. Life's like that. God's, that's God's heart for us. We come boldly to him, bringing our needs to him. I'm confident of this. If you will bring your needs to God as we um, live for him, with all our, I'm, I'm confident that God will meet that need and meet you where you're at. Number three, I have peace in pain. In pain. Sorry, I have peace in pain. I have peace in pain. Bron talked about it this morning. And number four, if I had more time, I'd love to go here. I gain the courage to take risks. I love this thought. I love this thought. I love the idea that God, once you know God, how much he loves us, we have courage to take risks that we wouldn't otherwise take. One of the things I love about Bron is that she always encourages me around the risks that we take. And there's been, we've taken plenty of risks as, as a married couple, as a church over the years. We're taking new ones again now. We're always taking risks. But one thing I love about Bron, sometimes she'll say, Darren, that's a dumb idea. Sometimes she'll say, you just need to give people time to catch up to the last idea. But bottom line is, she'll say, Darren, if that's in your heart, if you're confident that's God, let's go for it. And, and great confidence, I have great confidence that she has got my back. That's, we have the same greater confidence in God when we know how much he really loves us. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand with me? Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.